What does that say? Finding and killing an alligator. What? Oh, what the heck? Who wrote that? Probably. Those kids, man. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Are You Ready to Ramble podcast. Today we have a special episode. Today we have uh, on here Noemi, which is one of Liz's older sisters. So, hello, hello. Hey. <laughs> you guys are going to have a hard time figuring out who's talking. Who's who? they, they almost sound the same. They laugh the same. We giggle the same. <laughs> same person, same person. Um, so uh, today's topic is, first one we're going to talk about is um, nursing, the life, the life of a nurse, you know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. How you guys feel about the nursing field and stuff like that, what you've seen, you know, being in the trenches. <laughs> And stuff like that. So, for sure. And you go ahead. You're the one. We're the nurses. So I'm the MC. <laughs> you're okay. the yeah, MC. You're, the right, you're in on, charge of asking questions. Yeah. Spit up this gum here. So we'll start off with introductions. So how'd you guys meet? Well, <laughs> what happened was I was the baby for uh-huh. like a really, really long time. Yeah, and then ten years later, I came around. Okay, and I was a baby, and then here comes along, and then the real baby came along. Yeah. So we're 10 years apart, in case mm. anybody didn't know. Yeah. I'm 36. I'm 26, so literally exactly, exactly 10 years. 10 years yeah. apart. We're both Aries. No, you're an Aries, and I'm a Taurus. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Ugh. You landed in a Taurus. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a true Aries to the T. To the T. Yes. So it's safe to say you, you've known her your whole life? It's yes. safe to say right. that we've known each other. Well, she's known me her whole life. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. Okay, so yeah, we're just going to jump into this topic here. Sorry, my contacts are like really fucking up my eyes right now. I just chose to warm today because I thought it was going to really be sunny and I could wear my sunglasses, but it's cloudy outside. Yeah. I think it's raining somewhere in the valley. It's Not hot. here. It was sprinkling a little few hours ago. You know mm-hmm. what? And I got my car washed yesterday, and every time I get my car washed, it decides to drizzle or rain. It's That's like what it is. The Lord's it's testing me every single day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're going to get into this topic here. So it is, um, yeah, the life of a nurse. So, I mean, you guys know Liz is a nurse. She's said it on the podcast uh, a bunch of times, um, but Noemi is also a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been a, You've been a nurse now for how long? Uh, so I graduated in December of 2014, and then I got my license, and uh, so I took my NCLEX in February, and I or January. Actually, I don't even remember. It's all a blur. That's how long it's been. It's it's, it's a blur because it's so stressful, and you can yeah you can attest it's very to that. Stressful. It's just a stressful time period. So I graduated, studied. I want to say for a month, took my test. And miraculously enough, passed it on my first try, and I had a job by April, thankfully. Um, so I've been a nurse, actual bedside nurse, since April of 2015. Hmm. So almost, so almost, what was that? Over, is that seven years now? I don't seven, even know. I think Who so. can do the math? Just about, I, just not so me, I failed math in high school, so not so me. that's four, five, six, seven, exactly six years? Six, seven. Six, anyways, yeah. And then <laughs> you... I graduated nursing school in 2020, a month, April of 2020, a month later, I think I took the NCLEX in May, passed, started working 
right at the beginning of COVID. Well, not the beginning. Like no, right you took it. your your two care exams during like the during year of COVID. The year of COVID, I I passed nursing school, graduated, took the NCLEX, and I started working in June, like the beginning of June of 2020. Hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. was right when everything was like collapsed. literally shutting down. Yeah. Right when everything collapsed in the hospital. Yeah, like I literally packed. went from like going into the hospital, doing clinicals to doing clinicals online and it was a whole new world. There was one day where I cried because I didn't even know if I was going to graduate on time because COVID. we were trying to figure out how our clinical hours were going to count because right. we were all doing it online via a simulation. Which for those who don't know... To be able to graduate, you have to have class hours, like actual education hours, and clinical hours for a nursing degree. Mm-hmm. And so that's the stressful part about people who were in nursing school. It's like, how are we going to get our clinicals? How are we going to graduate with clinical hours? Yeah. What's going to happen? Are they going to hold us back? Will mm-hmm. they give us our diplomas? Mm. So people who were graduating were literally freaking out about that. Yeah. And those of us who were bedside nurses were literally freaking out about how are we going to get nurses in here trained fast enough to accommodate for this like literally pandemic that was every day by the minute was getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. So it was a stressful, I think 2020 was very stressful around in the the nursing field for everybody because Mm -hmm. as we mentioned earlier, like bedside in the hospital we were stressed about how are we going to accommodate all these patients where are these nurses going to come from but then there's other nurses who have been nursing but in surgical settings or in a clinic setting and specialty settings and they found themselves without jobs and they were having to come back Mm, come back to the bedside and while most of us were grateful for the bodies it was hard to get back into it it was hard to get back into that because obviously they left for a reason you know Mm. they didn't either they don't like it they don't want to be there or they were comfortable where they were outside of the hospital so it was a very stressful year still is stressful honestly Mm -hmm. to be quite honest with you definitely still going through it but uh i did want to ask you guys since i mean there is a pretty long gap between like the uh how long you guys have been nursing but let's go back to like uh schooling um Many of the times you have referred to an Amy for help for, for you know, anything in school and even just yeah. as nursing in general. Um, a lot of the things that she's asked you, do you feel like was different when she was going to nursing school? Is it all pretty much the same across the board? Um, so the only difference was just. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. All the same. Oh, well, let me think about it. It's, I think it's just the same. It's because. You really question yourself. I mean, you go into nursing school thinking like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm, this is my career. This is what I'm meant to do. Uh Well, maybe her and I, we can agree on that because that's what we really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that sense, yes. But then you get into nursing school and it really challenges you in the way of like, you start to question your confidence and is this really was what I was meant to do. Like, you know what I mean? And we both went to, well, I went to a college where, um, the main goal was like, what's your purpose? Mm -hmm. And so as you're going through nursing school, you're like, is this really my purpose? Mm -hmm. What really is my purpose? Mm -hmm. What am I doing here? Um, so in that sense, yes, for me. And I know for Liz, she kind of was struggling with that too. Like, is this really what I meant to do? Am I even going to pass? And, Nursing school is hard, and I'm not saying that it's the hardest out there, but there's a reason that it's hard, and I think f- for good reason. Like, 
we're literally taking care of people mm-hmm. who in a matter of minutes to hours they could could literally just die yeah in front of you so i feel like it's appropriately stressful enough for the amount of responsibility that we have every single shift so in that token i think the only difference was that i came out like okay i got this this is really what i want to do and i think liz came out a little bit more like i'm still not sure Mm. Mm -hmm. there was still she wouldn't say it verbally but you could hear it when we would talk when we would like Mm -hmm. check in on each other you could hear that she was carrying a lot of anxiety as far as i don't know if this is still the right thing but we're gonna try it out Whereas for me, I'm not going to say that I was like overly confident, but I just knew in my heart that this is exactly what I wanted and it was just going to be a matter of time before I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. Do you still feel that way? No. And I'm going to say because I got out of bedside and I went into that surgical, it's not really surgical, it's more procedure mm-hmm. setting than bedside. Bedside was... So anxiety ridden for me. I even talking about it now, I'm like, I want to cry because it was just not horrible, but it was, it was hard. And I think you got special best guests in the building. (laughs) (laughs) Not to interrupt, but (laughs) no, no worries. This is, we got go here. It's Noemi's uh, son, eldest Eldest son, eldest son. You'll hear all about him in the next topic in a future episode. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, man? You just came back from your dad's. Okay. okay. He's got a J-O-B. Oh, wow. So he's, so he's like, you two know. Of them, two of them things. <laughs> he went to go get his dad a special Father's Day gift. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah, grab a seat, man. Grab a seat. He has to say hello to his favorite Thea. <laughs> cool, man. Um, so where were we? Oh yeah. So obviously you guys heard it in her voice. Yeah. I, I wanted to be bedside nurse so bad. Like I knew I was like, that was going to be it. I was going to be a bedside nurse. I went into PCU. It was a whole new world. I used to be a CNA, um, before I got into nursing school. So I knew how it was. Mm. I, I, I knew the flow. I knew it was fast paced. You had to learn how to organize yourself be like your time management and make sure like you you know what you're doing i knew that going in so i felt like oh, i was like i'll be okay but covid completely changed everything well i think of i think the thing with covid was that there was this everybody was on high stress alert all the time yeah. like we don't know what it is we don't know how it's gonna affect us like the risk of us getting it and the risk of us bringing it home mm-hmm. and who has it? Who doesn't have it? Mm-hmm. How do we really manage it? Like, there was just so much unknown that for me, it was like, okay, we're just going to manage this. Like, I've taken care of, like, airborne precaution patients. And that's what this was. COVID was an airborne precaution. When I say airborne, it means it's airborne. Just by talking, somebody could pick it up. So, you know, I knew how to manage that. Liz knew how to manage that as a CNA. But I think... In the nursing world, like I said, you have all this responsibility. And then the fact was is that most nurses were getting pulled to COVID unit patient, COVID units, like mm-hmm. where it was just COVID patients. And 
all the nurses, experienced nurses, that's where they were going. And all the new grads, which was Liz's case, she was, you know, on a PCU floor, which is where exactly where I started too. Mm -hmm. Or did you start PCU or OBS? No, I started as a nurse, as a PCU nurse. Right. And that's exactly where I started too. But my experience was different from hers. You know, like I started, I think I my first day on my own was July. So, you know, she still got the three months of mm-hmm. shadowing somebody. Obviously, she was responsible for her patients, but she had a nurse who was with her the whole time. Mm-hmm. So what happened with Liz is because she had an experienced nurse like shadowing her or helping her out. She was getting pulled. Hey, are you doing okay? You know what you're doing, right? Like you've you've been to CNA, you know what you're doing. So they're there for support, but they're also getting pulled to help other nurses, other things. And so sometimes you feel like this is too much responsibility. How do I know? And on top of that, you have to like talk to doctors. Mm -hmm. And some of the doctors are so busy that they just are like, okay, manage it yourself. And you're like, what What do you mean manage it myself? I don't even know what what I'm doing. Some doctors are not nice. No. Some, especially the ones in the hospital. I've, I mean, I work with a surgeon, and she it, with us because we're her core staff. She's very nice to us, but I've heard stories that when she's in the hospital, she's kind of, you know, not as nice. Right. Listen, I will vouch. There are some surgeons out there that are not nice. No, and very I, egotistical. Yeah. Right. And so, so here's my point of view. Like we're literally saying, like, so. So I'm an ICU nurse, mm-hmm. and Liz did PCU. Mm-hmm. And for the, I for and those I, sorry for, oh no, go ahead. for those who don't know what's ICU and PCU. So ICU is intensive critical unit, unit like intensive yeah. critical care unit or whatever. Yeah. So, but PCU it's like is a, patient care unit, which is I a step down from so, ICU, right? So there's like different um, units, and within a hospital, there's med surge, which is medical surgical. And, you know, people who are going for, like, procedures, minor procedures, minor ailments, they'll get admitted to the hospital and they'll go to med search floor. Mm. Progressive units or tele-units, they're patients who are being monitored for their heart or who need a little bit more observation as far as, like, uh, more vital signs, a little bit more intensive medication. Mm -hmm. And then ICU is where, like, I mean, we take care of patients who are, awake and perfectly fine but maybe they require medication that requires for their blood pressure their heart rate to be monitored Mm -hmm. and documented more frequently Mm -hmm. so then they come to us and then obviously we take care of like the most critical patients that could be on life or death basically under deathbed or whatever Mm um so that's the difference so so i started where liz was at so i kind of knew how things can progress from good to bad and and then we would get patients who would go to the ICU and then come back. So we would kind of see that, like, you know, that little circle of, oh, they got sick. Now they're back. But what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Well, I know. I'm a, how do I circle back to what the topic was? Uh, this is a common thing. We always forget what we're talking about because <laughs> okay. we just ramble. But oh, you said what are the differences? differences? Yeah. So those are the differences. Mm-hmm. So those are the differences. Oh, Liz said something about the surgeons being egotistical. So I go back to like, so I'm I'm an ICU nurse. And I think my point was like, sometimes we came off as very bitchy, like Mm. very, God, they're fucking bitches out there. And it's not that we're (laughs) bitches. It's just that, hey, if you're bringing us a patient, you're taking up a bed for another patient who could possibly 
needing to be coming up here because they're extremely sick. So I need to make sure that your patient, you've done everything that you need to do for them Mm -hmm. before we take them. Because if they come over here in four hours, I can fix them. Mm -hmm. And then they need to go back. Then that means that somebody somewhere on another unit could have been taking a little bit extra precautions Mm -hmm. to manage this patient. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're the same. We get that perspective. Mm -hmm. But it's just that the amount of responsibility increases. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So yeah. for a surgeon, they literally have so much responsibility because anything that happens in that operating room, it's on them. It's on them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I get it like, okay, yeah. I get your, I get the attitude. I get where you're coming from, but that doesn't mean you have to treat us like we're exactly. pieces of shit. And we don't know our heads from our ass. Cause <laughs> obviously we do. Cause we got here somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, so that's like, I guess the caveat there that, the more responsibility we have, more the more stress. the more stress it is, and the more we we put off. But mm-hmm. um, it's because there's more responsibility, and it's just like, hey, like you're trying to bring me this patient over, like, Why? what the heck? Mm-hmm. Why? What's happening? Like, mm-hmm. what did you do? What didn't you do? And I respected nurses more when they would be like, you know what? We just don't have time. Mm-hmm. Like we've tried this, we've tried that. They just need to be managed better. They just need a better eye. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would tell Liz. Like Liz, if you have a patient. Who you know you've been checking on, you've called the doctor, you've asked for help, and you still don't feel like the care is being managed. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Escalate care. Make somebody. Make somebody care so that patient gets the the best outcome. Because at the end of the day, it's not even about how you feel, how the doctors feel. It's somebody's life. Right. Let's see. When I was doing while I was on the unit, it came to the point where ICU was full, regardless of the day. ICU was full because we got patients that should have been ICU patients. Plus we're short staffed Mm -hmm. double bunked in a room because of COVID because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was like high anxiety all the time. I was like, how am I going to take care of four patients when one of my patients is almost knocking on ICU's door? Yeah. But I can't take them to ICU because they're too full. And that's where I got stressed. So I was like, maybe if I was like three years in, I could figure out how to manage this. Mm-hmm. A year in, no. <laughs> I still don't know how to take care of these patients 100%. I was almost there. Let alone a COVID patient. But yeah, well, I did. I was lucky enough that I didn't work on a full COVID unit. Uh-huh. I did get pulled pretty early on after I got, I was on my own, which was even more stressful and anxiety ridden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that didn't help either. So you really had to hit the ground running. Yes. Yeah. I remember there was one time where she reached, I happened to be working. So when she started working at the same hospital that I did, I left for personal reasons, but I was, I would still drop in into the ICU. And when I would drop in, I'd be like, literally, I'd be like, fuck this place. (laughs) Every single time I would leave, I'd be like, fuck this place. Like there's, I'm so glad I left. And it wasn't because of the patient load. It was just because the organization itself was was not what I felt nurse friendly nurse. Um, I mean, like literally there was no beds. There was nowhere to put these patients and they would still admit patients. And I get it. I get it. But it's like, at some point we have to say, Hey, like our nurses need to come back and they need to be okay. We can't keep overloading them. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter. They were being overloaded. I mean, there was, there's no reason why a new grad should be taking care of a, almost ICU patient or, hey, this should be ICU, but we're going to hold them here until there's a bed open. That's not okay. 
So in that sense, it's like, what is management doing? So when she would reach out to me, I'd be like, oh, hell no, you need to go talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that when you're a nurse in nursing school, they don't tell you advocate for your patients and advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to learn that. As a nurse, you have to learn that you have to advocate for yourself. And I think that's a big part of nursing community. There's There was this like perception of you're a nurse, you can get shit on. And now mm-hmm. with this like new and upcoming generation where we're like, oh, hell no, nobody's shitting on us. That's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. We want to work happy. We want to be happy. And a lot of people, older generations are having a hard time with coping with that because it's like, no, you work hard, you come in, you get shit on and you do your job and you go home and we're like, but you put your head down and grind, go home. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, uh, no, that's not how you have happy employees. Mm-hmm. You have disgruntled employees and mm-hmm. we want to be happy employees because mm-hmm. overall who benefits? Us, but the most important people who benefit is always the patients. And I think we've we've gone away from that. Like everybody says, Oh, our core values are our patients. Like where? Bitch, tell me where where because I don't see that. I don't see these patients getting the best freaking care Mm because we're giving them the bare minimum. We're giving them our freaking leftovers of what we left what we have left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the anxiety was there for a lot of nurses and that is why right now we are in we're not in a nurse shortage we're in a nurse we give a fuck shortage Mm. there's nurses who just don't care anymore Mm. because they're overworked yes they're just emotionally checked out and once you're emotionally checked out we all know in any kind of relationship once you're emotionally checked out it's done you're just there you just show up clock in clock out on autopilot yeah Mm -hmm. and who does that hurt like let's be real who does that hurt like people should freaking be worried about nurses being checked out you know Mm because if you get sick and if you go to hospital like you're not worried about i hope the doctor's a good doctor no you better care your nurse is good because Mm -hmm. the nurses who's there 24 7 at your side Mm -hmm. that's who's taking care of you and like that's kind of what i would stress to liz like hey nursing school doesn't teach you this but we have to learn this on our own like Mm -hmm. We have to advocate for our patients and we have to advocate for ourselves. Early on, like she said, one day they told her she had to go. I don't know where they took her. And I was like, no, just because it's COVID doesn't mean that they get to break the rules. I said, you need to go tell them you are still a new grad in your first year. They're not supposed to be floating you. Mm -hmm. They can't do that. I don't care if they end up saying, oh, Liz is being difficult. And why? Because the policy says I'm not supposed to be floating. Why? Just because COVID's around now, there's no rules. Hell no. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a problem is that all of a sudden COVID hit and now there's no more rules. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. So oh, that, oh, good. You were going to say something? No. So I was like, that's why a lot of new guys that I started with, you know what? There's some that like thrived and there's some that didn't thrive. And I was like, I don't know how, cause I, I then saw a new batch of new grads and I was like, I was like, I don't know how they're going to do it. I was like, is it, like pressure's off it me. didn't, it didn't, no, cause it didn't even get better. No. It didn't get better from the time that, my group of new grads came in to a new group of new grads came in. I was like, so they just, they just needed bodies is what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It just honestly, at that point it was just bodies. And that's what we would say. Like, Hey, it's a body, whatever. I guess we're taking whatever comes through the door to help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was really hard. And I just, I just got to the point where I would, I would cry before going into a shift. And you know that, like you saw me, I would, I would literally cry mm-hmm. because I did not want to go into work and it still makes me sad. 
but now where I'm working at, I, I don't cry before going to work. I'm like, oh, I got to wake up early and I got to go to work. She's mad, but she's not crying. Yeah, she's I'm not crying. I don't have that anxiety. Now she feels like a normal person working. Yeah. Yeah. You like, now you feel <laughs> like me. Yeah. And I, and I, and I like where I work. It's, it's stressful in a whole different aspect. But you don't want to kill it's, yourself. No, I don't. Like, it's just stressful, but I know I'm like, you know what? I'm going home at the end of the day. I'm going home before even like, even some day shift nurses i was like or might be going home with night show or when the night shift comes in i was like but i'm still going home at the end of the day i don't have anxiety i know that the patients i did have for the day they're good they're, they're they were taken care of they're at home exactly. they're resting and i feel good and i feel and i don't dread going to work because mm-hmm. i was dreading going to work i was just crying before a shift and not wanting to be there the whole time and and whenever my coworkers, when I work night shift, they're like, well, why are you leaving? I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I was like, I'm literally crying before work. And they're like, yeah, you need to go. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that is something that as older nurses or nurses who have been doing it for five, 10, 15 years, we need to be able to recognize that in our, in the, in the upcoming nurses or new grads, like, all, like we don't, there's no reason to see, let's see if they're going to sink or swim like no Mm-mm. if you think a nurse is going to sink or swim let me tell you right now they will sink and then they will hate this mm-hmm. like why have that attitude so i um ended up uh precepting which is i would get new nurses either new grads or new to service and i mostly new to service and um which meant like if you were coming for med surge or pcu if you were getting a new job in the icu i would I would be that nurse that was with you for three months. Mm -hmm. And my biggest thing was, uh, as far as like taking care of the patient, anybody can take care of the patient. But in, in my unit, it's more about you need to be able to recognize what could go wrong. You need to be able to know if you have that gut instinct. Like, okay, you can tell me what this blood pressure means, what this medication does, and maybe you know all the science, all the book science, all the pathophysiology, what we call. But at the end of the day, all that knowledge is useless Mm -hmm. if you don't know how to manage that medication with your patient. So there's a lot of complexity. That's why it's called critical care because you have to critically think about what's going on. But that's not to say that you don't need those skills in any other unit. You have to have them. Mm-hmm. And we can't teach that. Again, and I, I think beyond the books. Yes. And I mm-hmm. think that it was a lot of the things that was missing in the newer grads coming out in 2020, 2021 was because they didn't get to go bedside and see, put paper to patient, patient mm-hmm. to paper and get that like full circle and put it together because that's where all the critically thinking comes in. Mm-hmm. Like, actually thinking about what's happening to your patient. And so when you can do that, the other aspect is having to be able to manage, okay, now that I know all of this information, what am I going to do with it? Mm-hmm. And so I think for Liz is her anxiety was driven was because she she understood all that and it was just managing like so much stress and responsibility. And there's nothing wrong if it was causing you to be stressed and not wanting to go into work. If you're not built for it, you're not built for it. And better for you to recognize that and say, hey, like, it's just too much. I care too much. And right now, this environment is not for me. Mm -hmm. Liz could go back bedside and she might not feel that anxiety anymore Mm -hmm. because she's got more time under her belt. She's got more like 
knowledge, more confidence, that anxiety, she'll be able to calm it down and say, okay, no, I got this. Mm -hmm. Like, I've seen this before or I know how to handle it better. But for now, for her, where she's at, if she needs like a more slower learning environment, that's where you need to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, not only that, but I would say it was management and then I don't know why, but patients society they're horrible mm-hmm. they are it's people, so crazy because they're like people I fucking hate people. suck people yeah, fucking people. suck they're like i hate people but i have to deal with people all the time yeah yeah, yeah. and I, that kind of ties into like what i wanted to ask the both of you guys is that um you know amy was talking about like you know how the nurses would come in before just get shit on just put their heads down grind get shit on clock out do it all again the next day but uh with the patients i mean you know all the three of us we work in healthcare we're you know, sometimes it's like, fuck these patients. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's we, the we honest have, truth. Yeah. Yeah. But we still have to care for them because that's kind of our, that's our job. That's yeah, what it's our obligation for. to take mm-hmm. care of them because that's what we do. Um, but on the, you know, on the, I guess the other end of the spectrum, but like, um, how do you feel like how nurses or just healthcare workers aside from the doctors, how do you feel it's changed? Like, do you feel like, uh, the, you know, lower tier healthcare workers like, you know, nurses, medical assistants, so on and so forth, lab techs or whatever. Do you feel like they are becoming more respected as, you know, the time goes on? I feel like now there's a little bit more respect, but in the sense of the world is seeing how much nurses and the nursing field mm-hmm. does. Yeah. They do the grunt work. There was yeah, yeah. there was not a doctor shortage. Mm-hmm. Well, there really was, but nobody was talking about it mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, the doctors were doing the best that they could. Because I mean, we were even bringing in yeah retired like, doctors, retired doctors, mm-hmm. family medicine doctors, like you know the doctor that you go and see who's been your kid's doctor for the past thirty years. They were bringing in docs like that to help manage, but the thing was is. For legal reasons, they had to have a doctor there. Mm -hmm. So it was up to the nurses, literally up to the nurses to know how to manage that patient and say, hey, we need this. And the doctor was like, "Okay, well, let me just take a look at the chart, which meant let me fucking look this shit up and figure out what we're supposed to do. Call somebody else who knows what the fuck to do and then I'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. But the problem was is that if the nurses are telling you you should trust your nursing staff to be able to say, okay, what do you think? What has the patient done? Mm-hmm. And there was a big disconnect between doctors and nurses. And now we're seeing, no, look, you need to be on the same page. Like mm-hmm. we need to be on the same page because we've been with this patient for the past eight hours. Mm-hmm. This is my fourth day with this patient. How are you going to tell me you this is the first time you've seen them mm-hmm. and you don't want to listen to me? Like I'm telling you, yeah. There is a change. We need to jump on it. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes really hard in that sense to, to, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> now, how, how do you feel, uh, like as time went on, do you feel like nurses are more respected or do you feel like they kind of still get yes. shit on? Long story short, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we still get shit on, but there's still, more respect. We definitely still get shit on, but I think there is, I think we should be more respected. I think we are getting a little bit more respect, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been easy. I mean, you guys have seen, there's been a lot of nurses walking out. Mm-hmm. Like when was the last time we ever, heard about nurses walking literally walking out of a hospital Mm -hmm. 
refuse not necessarily refusing to take care of patients they're refusing to work for an organization mm-hmm. they're not refusing their job they're not refusing to their, to do their duties they're refusing to work for an organization organization that is not respecting nurses and now if you go on instagram tiktok you see doctors Mm-hmm. saying, hey, these nurses deserve what they're asking for. These mm-hmm. nurses deserve the respect that they need. Mm-hmm. For a long time, you're a nurse. Oh, you're a nurse. Cool. You're a doctor. Oh, my God, you're yeah, a doctor. That's amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's like, bro, okay, yes, you've done all the work, and it's your name on the chart, but let's be real. Who is literally putting up with patients? Like, it makes me so upset to be at work and there's a very difficult patient, and the doctors are just chilling, laughing, like, mm-hmm. dang, that patient listened to them. And I, I want to walk over there and be like, you know what? You think it's so funny? You go put up with that patient for 12 hours. Yeah. I want to see you see how funny it is afterwards. But I'm respectful. I'm not going to do that. But it is so hard to keep that boundary and, and demand respect as a nurse and demand respect as a doctor when when. Th- when it's not being like, why do we have to say it? Like, why do you have to be taught? Hey, your nurses, even though they're nurses, they haven't had as much medical or technical book teaching X, Y, Z, whatever. Like what you learn is in the grunt. Mm -hmm. You learn the most being there, seeing it. So so if I'm telling you, Hey, like, I know you want to order this because that's what your book says, but, but, in my experience, I feel like this might work better. Yeah. Well, go ahead, sorry. No, so I just have an example. So like right now I'm in a facility that's a teaching hospital for doctors. Mm. So we have interns rotating like every two weeks, every month, coming in into the ICU and they're getting their experience. Mm-hmm. They're getting their feet wet pretty much because they're not really, you can't learn much in two weeks at the ICU. Like mm-hmm. you literally have to be there every day, five days a week, at least for a month so that you can really see stuff. I mean, you have to see a patient come in and leave in order to know, oh, okay, this is how this disease works. This is how this process mm-hmm. is handled. And man, it's been a learning experience for me because I am not used to that. I'm used to having doctors say, hey, like I assess the patient in the ED. I just saw them up here. These are your orders. This is what I need you to do. Call me if this. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, cool. Making my job easier. Straight Thank you it. for doing your job. I'll do mine. Mm-hmm. And these interns, it's like, okay, baby doctors, <laughs> I'm going to hold your hand. Come look at your patient. I need you to do this. Put a stethoscope on them. Talk to them. Mm-hmm. Some will do it. Some won't. And it's like, okay, we need to do this. And it makes my job so much harder when every two hours I'm like, hey, we need this. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need that. Like, how am I going to respect you as a doc? when you're not doing your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the respect comes, maybe for society, respect comes because of degrees. But respect inside of a healthcare setting comes from Time. how are you t- treating your staff and how are you treating your patients? That's where the respect for me as a nurse now, that's where respect comes. That's where I see a difference, even for a nurse, even for a lab mm-hmm. tech, anybody yeah. like you're doing your time. How are you treating these patients? Are you taking your job seriously or are you just here to get a paycheck? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm here to get a paycheck too, but at the end of the day, these are still patients. Right. Like, yes, people fucking suck. People, you guys suck sometimes when you're yeah. sick, but it's still my job to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
You guys hate to hear it, but you guys do fucking suck sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, going into that, uh, you guys are in the field that you are for a reason. Right. Um, I did want to ask, before you guys <clears throat> were nurses, what were you doing before that? Like, before any medical field, any knowledge of the medical field, or even thinking about it, what were you guys doing before that? I worked at a fast food like, company. What was that? Burger King. Okay. That's where I worked. What about you? So I I started obviously my nursing career later. So I was a stay at home mom for a while, mm-hmm. and then I went back to school and I got my certificate in phlebotomy. So I ended up working in a hospital for I want to say five years. And while I was going to nursing school as a phlebotomist or a lab tech in a hospital, and I was in a really well known hospital here in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So I knew I knew in my gut. That's what I wanted to be doing. Like mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't a CNA doing a lot of patient care, but I was able to see a lot everywhere. I was able to go to the whole hospital and do my job. So I knew kind of where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So that helped me kind of decide this is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing for five years. I was a legit vampire. <laughs> <laughs> so still in the medical field. Before. Still in the medical field mm-hmm. in the hospital setting. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. And then for you, what made you want to become a nurse? Knowing me. Yeah. I saw what she was doing and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I'd be really interested in doing this. So then I was like, okay, you know what? I was like, I'll be an aide. Mm-hmm. I'll get my feet wet, see what it is. Mm-hmm. If I really like it. I'll go and for sure get into nursing school. And I did. I became an aide. I really liked it. And I was like, I want to do this. And I got into nursing school. And then I learned and I was like, fuck nursing school. This is the shittiest place ever. Where's my stripper shoes? (laughs) (laughs) That's a nursing joke for anybody who doesn't know. Nurses are like, I'm just going to be a stripper. Yeah. And then I got into, then I got into the real world of nursing. And I was like, well, school just kind of just taught me textbook what I needed and how to pass the test and now I had to learn how to be a real nurse yeah uh and I did in that year and a half that I was at PCU I learned how to be a like a real nurse um I learned that people are way shittier than I thought they were um no doubt there's some disrespectful ass people out there yeah so let's clarify what do we mean by shitty people we don't mean like we're not talking about your personal life no we're just talking about like we know you're sick we know you're sick. We know you're here because you don't fucking feel good. Mm-hmm. You not feeling good does not equal you're allowed to treat the people who are literally wiping your ass because mm-hmm. you can't wipe it yourself to treat us like shit. Mm-hmm. That's what makes me mm-hmm. mad. Like, I am literally wiping your ass mm-hmm. on your deathbed mm-hmm. and you want to yell at me? Bro, I would take that oxygen off of you real quick if I had to. But yeah. obviously I can't do that, right? Maybe I'll beep that part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay, let's be real. This no, yeah, real. it's real. That yeah. freaking mindset, like you get so upset, you're like, how could you possibly, how could you possibly be rude and disrespectful to the person that is giving you what you're demanding? Like my, Your life is in my hands. I could take it at any second. Yeah. And I mean, and that's what we need to recognize. I mean, mm-hmm. in the ICU, like literally, I'm watching you not do okay you can't even hold your dick in a freaking urinal to pee literally seriously i don't know how many and you're giving me shit about how i'm not managing your care or i'm not being nice enough i'm sorry what there is is definitely come again there's definitely a sense of entitlement that comes with some patients where they feel like um you're on their time yeah 
And it's like, no, sir or ma'am, ma'am, mm-hmm. sir, you came to us for help. You're in our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not the only person yeah. we have to take care of. I don't know how many times I had to tell people, you're not my only patient. I have three, four other people mm-hmm. I have to take care of and I have to see. So mm-hmm. if I'm not in your room right away, no, it's because I'm probably doing something else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, it- and managing time management is such, such a huge thing when you become a bedside nurse. Like, oh, yeah. if you don't know how to manage your time and you're all over the place, mm-hmm. it becomes so hard to be able to get through your shift. And how Liz said, like, when you have three, four patients and now... Now nurses are having like when it was normal to have only four patients. Now you have six patients. If you used to have five patients, now you have eight patients. So forget it. Like, have you guys seen um, the TikTok of the nurse who went to, who came to visit here in the valley? Her mom. Mm-mm. Did you see it? I don't think so. So she's this nurse. She's like, I've never made a TikTok before. Um, I just came to see my mom. I can't remember what hospital it was, but I'm pretty sure it was a banner hospital. Mm-hmm. And she was on a PCU floor. And um, the only reason I say banners because it's already out there. It's already public. Like mm-hmm. even physicians have picked up on it. And she said that she went in and her her sister found her mom um, pretty much like, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, she wasn't getting taken care of well well yeah but she was like she wasn't responding like she was altered Uh and um it was because her mom had taken her oxygen off for whatever reason and at that time she was supposed to be monitored with the bedside oxygen machine where it's constantly monitoring and there's alarms there's alarms on freaking Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. everything your heart reads too fast there's an alarm so anyways, I guess her the alarms were turned off. Oh. So this nurse was taking care of eight patients. And by the time they went to go check on her was because the daughter came in and was like, hey, like my mom's oxygen is like at 70, 80 percent. Can't remember what she said exactly. But long story short, the nurse is like, I'm not mad. I'm not mad that the nurse wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm I'm upset because this happened to my mom and now she's in ICU. Mm-hmm. And now because she was so long with this oxygen that she needed, she needs extra care. Now she needs more oxygen because the damage done in that time period was too much. Mm-hmm. So instead of being able to manage where she was, now she's worse and now we have to manage that. She's like, I'm not mad. She's like, I'm not mad at the nurses. I'm not mad at the nurse she was receiving because... It was great. She's like, every nurse that was taking care of her, they were great. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm mad that this organization is allowing for these nurses to take care of so many patients because now my mom is suffering Mm -hmm. because the nurse wasn't able to get here on time. The respiratory therapists weren't able to come and check on my mom the way that they were supposed to or the way that the care is. Now my mom is suffering. And she's like, that's what we need to be focusing on like the patients are suffering Mm. like let alone the nurses are overworked understaffed too many patient ratios like six to one when it should be four to one Mm -hmm. there's a reason we want to have ratios it's because sometimes you get patients who need a little bit of extra care and then there's other patients who don't so they say hey you know what you have two patients who are okay more stable but you have two other patients that are going to need a little bit more of your time Mm -hmm. So that's why we're going to give you these four. And you're yeah. like, okay, cool. That's a, neat, that's a reasonable assignment. Mm-hmm. But when they give you three and then three more, 
and they're all the same level of care of acuity as far as like how and, sick they are. And then you have to hit. Oh, yeah. You have to give your meds within this time. <coughs> you have to chart at this many times like you and real time charting. You're like, OK, how am I going to do all this stuff and real time chart and take care of patients if something happens that wasn't part of just something went south with one patient. Yeah, for, forget if you get an emergency. Yeah. That throws your whole day off. Forget that, if you get a code blue on one of your patients and you still got three other ones and you still haven't, you still need med pass. They still need wound care and skin care. Like all these yeah. things, mm-hmm. like forget it. Like that's it. Your so, shift, your whole organization of your whole day when you first get in for your shift, it's fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, so, so to go back to my point, that was the whole thing of like nurses need to learn and it's getting harder to teach them. Put your hey, foot down. <laughs> other than put your foot down is like saying, hey, like I have all these patients. When you're getting report, you need to be thinking about, okay, out of all my patients, which one of these patients can something freaking really go bad? And I feel like nurses are just, they're not thinking that way because they're like, okay, well, I got to do this. I got to do that. This med is due. This med is, de- is due here. And I didn't give it on time. And it's like, hey, you know what? That Lovenox, it's okay if you give it two hours late, like. It's going to be all right if you're managing another patient mm-hmm. who's literally going through something right now. Mm-hmm. That Lovenox, not that big of a deal. I'm sorry that you're thirsty and you didn't get your cup of ice for the 100th time while I was managing somebody's blood pressure who was dropping. Like, that is like, yes, we need you to understand that. But sometimes it's hard to explain that to patients because you can't tell them, hey, your next door neighbor, their blood pressure is dropping. They because, don't care. but not just that, but. We can't be telling other patients what other patients are doing. Do you see what I'm saying? Like this HIPAA. whole HIPAA word that we wouldn't even touch on, but it's all HIPAA violation to say, hey, other patients literally dying. I'm sorry that you are not getting taken care of the way you need to be, but yeah. one of my seven patients is dying. And so I forgot about your cup of ice. So, I forgot to come so do I this. So I can recline your bed. Yeah. <laughs> so those little things are the ones that we need to care about. But the problem is, is that, it's no longer little things. It's big things. Mm-hmm. It's I can't breathe and nobody's answering my call light. Mm-hmm. It's I have a headache and it's possibly a stroke and nobody's taking care of it because it's a headache and other people are more sick. And so maybe patients are like, why well, do not want to tell you? Because it's not that big of a deal. And I know you have more patients and I know you're busy. It's like so the whole point is nurses need to be more advocated by their organizations. And that's what this nurse was saying. Like, hey, I'm not saying the care was bad. What I'm saying is, why is this being allowed? Mm -hmm. Because it's being allowed, now my mom is suffering. As a patient, my mom is suffering. And that's when it starts to hit home. When you realize, okay, it's not that you as a nurse don't know what you're doing. It's just that you as a nurse are having a hard time managing all these patients and actually give everybody the best care and the best attention. And that's kind of where we're at to answer your question about like healthcare before and healthcare now, Mm -hmm. like people are getting more and more sick and Mm -hmm. needing way more attention. And it's just getting with these hospitals, it's getting harder to advocate for nursing to not be overstaffed. And, and that's the big problem right now that we're seeing. I mean, I see it. I, I've traveled to different hospitals. I've seen it a lot. I mean, I only work in the ICU, and that's where I've been for six years. But it's even in the ICU, it's been tough. It's mm-hmm. been real tough. 
emotionally draining. Mm-hmm. All I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it with her. I've seen it with a, 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 one of the nurses that I work with as well. Um, but hospitals, stop fucking overworking your nurses and shit. It's not just it's that. Not cool. It's it's, man, it, it's it's the whole thing. Because I like maybe was saying before, like um, when I was saying like, oh, like we had to hit these things where give meds at this time and everything. When I first started as a new grad, I was like, oh, shit, I really I got to make sure I got it. I get all these things. And as that time progressed and as I saw how things were going, I was like, if this person didn't get this med, it's not life or it's not a life or death medication. And if I didn't give it to you within the two hour time frames and and I gave it to you way later, I'm like, oh, well, I had another patient I had to take care of. Mm-hmm. I had to do this. And so I stopped being so stressed about hitting times and charting in real time. And I was like, I'm just going to chart when I can, yeah. when I have a second to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I really I need to focus more on like taking care of these patients and making sure I hit what I need to hit on this computer. Mm-hmm. All right. So he's been speaking about the, <laughs> a lot of the downsides of nursing. <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's also a lot of upsides for, uh, you know, of nursing too. Um, in your guys' case, or especially, you know, even since you've been in the field longer than, you know, Liz has, and I'm not a nurse, so I don't know. But uh, what are kind of, I mean, obviously when you take care of a patient and they're very like, oh my God, thank you for all your help, it's very gratifying. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel like oh, I'm really, yeah. you know, you feel like you just feel like you're really doing something, you know, purposeful as aside from just being there and taking care of the person um you know what are what are some i guess instances there where you guys have been in where you just felt like oh my god like i'm this is what i'm here this is what i'm meant to do this is what i'm meant for you know i feel like i'm doing the the lord's work so to speak (laughs) yeah no you know what there is some there is some days some moments where you and you know what a doctor telling you, hey, you did a great job today. You're like, oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. The most rewarding is when the patients tell you, when the families tell you. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know about Liz's case, but in my case, the most rewarding moments have been Mexican families that come in and they're like, oh, oh mi no, hablas español, yeah. que bueno. And they're just telling you like, oh, thank God, I'm going to be more comfortable. Que vas a cuidar a mi papá, mm-hmm. mi mamá. And you're just like... Like, that makes you feel good because you know that that family, not that other families don't, but it's just kind of like they really are so grateful. Mm -hmm. Like, that's where it comes in where the patients are, like, very grateful for everything that you're doing. They take the time to thank you. I mean, and sometimes in my instance, my patients, most of the time, majority of the time, they're like sedated and intubated, which means they're and under, they're, they're in a chemically induced coma, to specific, to specifically, specific. and then they're on the ventilator. So my patients don't always get to say, hey, thanks. A lot of the time, they don't know all the work that goes into that, but the families do. Mm-hmm. The problem with the past two years is that there wasn't families allowed, so they weren't seeing what we were doing. But now that families are starting to come back in, we're starting to feel that gratitude. You're starting to feel that, like, this is why I'm here. My purpose is coming back. Mm-hmm. In my in my case, that's where I'm at now. For the past, like, 12 months, I was just kind of like... In a rut? 
yeah, like I'm just doing this because I got to get through this. Like I need a job. Like we got to we got to work. We got to work. Mm-hmm. And now and now I want to say like maybe the past six months where families are starting to come back in and you're really starting to see like, hey, thank you. The cards are starting to come back in. Family members stay at bedside and they're and they see that you are really caring for their family members. You're not just leaving them there. You're giving them the attention that they need. You're treating them like human beings because that's, I mean, that's obviously are. that's what we are. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you're overworked, it's hard to treat somebody like a human being and not just a body in a bed that needs this and needs that mm-hmm. when there's you don't have the time. And now that we're having a little bit more time, we're interacting with families, that's when... How you said you feel like, oh, I'm doing the Lord's work. Yeah. I yeah. say I saved a lot today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's where the gratification comes in for me. And I like I could talk about this all day. Like I love nursing. I love everything about it. But it has been hard to dig deep and find that purpose. And there's a lot of like what Liz does, there's no she does the Lord's work too. Like mm-hmm. you have to be able to know what you're doing. She's in a recovery center, right? Like you're outpatient. You go in, you have a procedure done. There's nurses taking care of you. That's you have to know what you're doing. You obviously have to know what you're looking out for in case something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Where's your heart rate going? Where's your blood pressure? Are you breathing enough? Do we need to give you Narcan? Are you going to tank? Are you going to get struck out in us? Are you going to have a heart attack? Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) All of those things can happen even if I'm in an outpatient procedural procedural surgical setting i'm still in the hospital uh mm-hmm. it's just i don't have this person for 12 hours anymore mm-hmm. I'm, you're with me for about maybe three hours mm-hmm. from start to finish three four hours mm-hmm. if you're a heart patient well then i have you for a little bit longer mm-hmm. and i'm gonna you're gonna be damn sure i'm gonna be on top of you more if you're my heart patient yeah. than if you went and got a yeah. A simple little procedure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still going to keep an eye on you, but I know you're more stable. Whereas my heart patients, oh no, I'm checking your blood pressure. I'm checking your heart rate. I'm making sure your O2 is good. I'm making sure that like you're not telling me you're having like chest pains and all these things. But I will say even when I was in the bedside and even now, I still get that gratitude from those Hispanic families, those Latino families, because they hear me speak Spanish and they're like, Oh, like their face just yeah. changes from worry oh, to like relaxation. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll ask me like, are you going to be with me the whole time? I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just here to get you ready or I'll be here while you recover, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, and even when I was at bedside, like the relief that I would have from patients that I spoke Spanish and I understood they just, their whole vibe just changed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then i would get a lot of gratification with that and then when they would tell me that they really appreciated that i was their nurse and and they were like oh are you gonna be back tonight and i'd be like oh yeah they're like oh you're gonna be my nurse again and i'm i was like maybe or i was like i don't know it is so nice to leave your shift and the family or the patient if they're i mean if they're able to talk or whatever to say are you gonna be my nurse tomorrow are you coming back and it that that feels good yeah. to want to know that your patient wants you to take care of them, that their patient feels so mm-hmm. comfortable to, to leave. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're, you're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. When you go into a hospital setting, you're vulnerable. You're under somebody else's care. Mm-hmm. Obviously you can advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. but the nurse is advocating for you. Mm-hmm. And it feels so nice to have patients come in and say, Hey, Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for just being here. Thank you for just listening. Thank you for just, you know, maybe all they had to do was 
maybe you just held a hand while they were getting an IV and that was the scariest thing for them. Mm -hmm. And you just held their hand or you just talked them through it. And that was enough for them to feel so good about being in your care. That is where you feel like I was meant for this. This is mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> yeah, I would love it when I had patients and at the end of the shift, they're like, I am so glad I had you as a nurse. Or I would come back for, and I because I got the same patient. Usually and they're, the, happy, they, to and they're happy to see you. They're like, I, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you're back. The last nurse I had for the day. Oh, my gosh. I'm just <laughs> not so to glad shit on any not nurses. to shit on any nurses, <laughs> but, you know. And I'm just like, oh, it makes you feel so good that somebody appreciates. And I've had it from like non-Spanish-speaking patients too, where they're like, oh, it just means I just, more from the Spanish. They're like, I don't know why. I don't know why. It just means it more. It just means more in the Hispanic. Well, I think I know why, because those of us who know, or anybody who knows, when you go to Mexico and you get sick, money talks. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have money to pay for a little bit of extra care, you get admitted into a facility where the care is not necessarily mediocre. But in Mexico, the doctors are the ones who do everything. Everything. Nurses, nurse, nurse does not equal the same thing as a nurse in America, no. in Mexico. So sometimes, sometimes the, the families don't realize that the nurses are taking care of everything. And so when they realize, when they do see that on day three, they see a Mexican or not a Mexican, but just somebody who can speak Spanish. Even if you're freaking Filipino and you know Spanish, mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, you speak Spanish. Ah, oh, que bueno, que mm-hmm. se va a poder comunicar. And now mm-hmm. they feel more comfortable that whatever that patient needs or their family member needs, that you're going to be able to understand them mm-hmm. and help them. And I think that's where it comes from because they realize the nurses are the ones who are taking care of the patient all the time. Mm-hmm. So they feel like, oh, okay, I feel better. You are going to be able to communicate. And a lot of the times that's what it is, communicating mm-hmm. with your patient so that you know what they need. So when they say thank you, you're like, you really know they really mean it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It means more. It means yeah. a little bit more because we understand the culture. We understand, I mean, well, Wilson, you know that we Mexican families, Latino families, it's not just we're very close. We're very, yeah. we're just a. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but we're just a close family. And and you know, Grandpa's in the hospital, and all of a sudden, everybody from the woods is like, "Are they okay? Are they going to be okay?" Mm-hmm. We're we're just very involved in that sense. So, and then to have someone come in and explain everything to mm-hmm. the team is like, yeah. oh, that's nice. Yes, it is. I can understand what's going on. Exactly. And so that appreciation makes you feel good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, um, because medical terms in English is not the same in Spanish, so I've heard. Do you guys feel it's harder to kind of translate medical terms into Spanish to these, you know, Spanish speaking patients? Yeah. Um, For me, it is because I I still don't know a lot. And I'm like, ugh. I'm like, I even tell them, like, listen, my Spanish is good. I I can keep up with you, have a full conversation. Once it comes to some of the medical things, I'm like, that's where I'm going to, I'm going to say something. You're going to look at me like I'm crazy. Like, like, let me, I'm going to try 
I'll point at whatever I need to point at. I'll like <laughs> describe it as well as I can. <laughs> um, but even at work, I had to use interpreters because for legal reasons, I cannot sign any document in Spanish because I'm not certified hmm. uh, as a like interpreter, Spanish interpreter. So I had to come in and I use the interpreters. And these these patients, they look at me they're like, oh, why are you using this? You've been talking to me this whole time. And then I had to explain. It's not because the same. I'm like, because of this, I have to use this. Yeah. I was like, but it's just for this part. I like, I promise it's just this part. And then mm-hmm. it's on me. And they're like, all right, all right. Yeah. And that's and that's for legal, legal purposes. Mm-hmm. In my aspect... I use them, but I'll be honest, I, most of the time I don't. I make the physicians use the interpreters, mm-hmm. like, cause they're the ones that need to make sure that whatever they're communicating, they need to make sure they're communicating correctly mm-hmm. and not trying to just say the least. But I like, I need you to say the most. Like these patients need to understand. Yeah. And I, and I do all my patients, even if it's just, even if they don't speak Spanish or English, if it's something else, I try to make sure to tell them, hey, like, if you don't understand, Mm -hmm. tell us. I don't know what you're talking about so that we can explain things better. Like, I'm your advocate, but you also have to know what's happening to you Mm -hmm. so that you can feel comfortable. Otherwise, I can't give you the best care if you don't trust me. We need to build that trust relationship. Mm -hmm. You may not trust your doctor. You may not like him, but you need to know that he is doing or he or she are doing the best that they can. We are trying the best. And sometimes the best is communicating what's happening. So, yeah, we need to make sure that we speak to our patients, especially if there's the Hispanic community here in the Valley is huge. It's large. large. And, I mean, nurses now, where I work at, I work in um, what used to be a county hospital. Mm. So, I've never seen so many physicians or nurses speak Spanish. Really, where am I? I know they're like, "Hey, My can you help me?" And I'm like, this? "I'm like, I don't need to help you. I've heard, I'm a girl. I have heard you speaking Spanish to these patients. You don't need my help. Like, uh, you got this." And so it's really nice to see physicians and nursing staff really put forth the effort to learn Spanish mm-hmm. so that they can give better care. That to me is huge because mm-hmm. there's some people who don't care don't care to yeah. they really don't care to learn any other language and they go in and they're like well we don't know what they're saying okay well did you ask anybody to help you understand what they're saying mm-hmm. physicians and patient wise mm-hmm. you know and then they get bad because they don't speak spanish okay well you don't speak english either so let's not be upset let's try to work something yeah. out so that we can give you the best care. We can't be upset about this. Like, let's really try to yeah. work this out. Yeah. One thing I do want to say, though, is just in general, like with the doctors, when they try to explain things to patients, um, some doctors are really good at kind of, I guess, putting things in layman's terms, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome because, like, you know, the patients, they're they're not medical professionals. Mm-hmm. They don't know all these the terminology. So when a doctor is able to, like, you know, dumb it down, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, no offense to the patients, but... Um, make it understandable for the patients. I think that's awesome. But there's also doctors that, um, who are just so kind of like by the book and they, they can only talk to patients in medical terminology, mm-hmm. which is like, I guess that's cool, but the patient's not going to, you know, understand it all. Right. And then a lot of the times some doctors feel like they don't have the time, especially surgeons, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, they're kind of just like time is money or not even time is money. Like, you know, the time I could be, um, 
operating under, yeah uh-huh. the time i'm using to explain to you something is the time i could be you know looking into my next patient you know yeah. the next surgery um but at the same time like they expect the nurses which you know maybe they you know they should know but at the mm-hmm. same time they're not the doctor right and they really uh put it on you guys to like you need to explain to this patient exactly what i did the way I would need to explain to them. And that is so hard. I had a patient yesterday do that to me. And like when when patients get sedation, they don't remember a lot and they tend to ask questions over and over again, the Mm -hmm. same question over and over again. And like Wilson said, like if I'm not the nurse in there with you, I just know what you come out with, what right. they put on the diagnosis. Whatever's on the operative note is what I'm mm. going to read to you. Is what I'm going to read to you. And that's what she did. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, maybe I can, you know, try to explain to you more just based off my own knowledge. Mm. But ultimately, I I don't know, you know, the exactly what she did, if she did anything extra that, you know, or if they did anything extra that they may not have put down on the operative note. To go back to it, like, they put a lot on you guys to try to explain it to the patients, but really it should be coming from the doctor's mouth. Legally, legally, legally. the doctors are supposed to explain the procedure. And like you said, Wilson, mm-hmm. they do, but they explain it in their Medical terms. terms. Yeah. And then what happens was, is what happens, Wills? What <laughs> happens is that um, the patients are like, oh, okay. And you can see it in their face. They, they have no idea yeah, what the fuck you're at. talking they're just, about. Yeah, they're just so kind of saying it. Like, so, you know, I'm that nurse. I'm that nurse that when the doctors are explaining, I tell them in Spanish, Tienen otras preguntas porque aquí está el doctor. You need to ask them right now. Mm-hmm. I tell them, like, if you have more questions, did you understand what they just said to you? Because if you didn't, right now is the time. Mm-hmm. And you can see sometimes the doctors will, like, side glare at me and I'm like, uh-uh. Because you need to tell them. You need, you're here now. Yeah. It's going to take you one more minute, but this one minute could be the difference between this patient being satisfied and not satisfied. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take care of this right now. Or this patient knowing how to take care of themselves and not having to come back here. Yeah. Because they don't know what to do at home. Yeah. Because then they're like, well, they said this and they said that, but I don't really know. And then you're like, okay, well, now we got to find the doctor again. Yeah. And the doctors get upset and rightfully so because they are, they are They're time busy. management. They are busy. So that's why it's like, Hey, you're here now. Mm-hmm. Don't walk away with saying, do you have any questions or don't walk away and say, do you have any questions? But say it in a way like, okay, we're done here. Don't ask me questions. Yeah. No, I'm that nurse at bedside with before they go. I will say, do you have any questions? Did you understand what they just said to you? Mm-hmm. And if they don't, I, hey, the patient saying they don't remember. The patient saying, what is this? They want to know X, Y, Z. Like, come on. Even though they understand English, to me, they said this. I'm not asking you. Uh-uh, it's mm-hmm. not me. Like, I, know, I know what you I know what you're doing. I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The patient needs to know. Please come back and explain it to them. Yeah. And I mean... Being a nurse, I feel like that's all it is. Being a nurse is just advocating, advocating, Mm -hmm. advocating, and advocating, and rightfully so. We should be. I mean, in my sense, I want to make sure that if I'm ever, God forbid I'm ever in the hospital, I want to make sure that my nurse is going to advocate for me. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm sick, let me tell you what, I don't care about anything. And sick patients are assholes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we need to be able to realize what it is that they really need versus what they really want. Mm-hmm. So if they patients not understanding, they really need you to make sure you're explaining everything. Mm-hmm. That's what needs to happen. And, and even at that, because um, I've gone through it myself, like when the patients call, 
or they they have more questions, sometimes they really just want to hear it coming out of the doctor's mouth. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, going back uh, even further, patient, uh, you know, healthcare workers that are lower tier, like nurses, medical assistants, or whoever, the lab techs, CNAs, they, even though we're telling them exactly what the doctor said, it just goes one ear and out the other. Like, okay, you're not the doctor. Whatever you said, it doesn't matter. I want to hear it coming out of their mouth because they have the white coat. That's a culture thing, I believe, sometimes, yeah. You think too. so? I believe sometimes that is a culture thing. I I mean, I, I will say that I haven't dealt with a bunch of cultures, but in the Hispanic culture, I have come up with patients who really will straight up tell me, You're not the doctor. You're not the doctor. I want to talk to the doctor. Get the doctor in here. Get the doctor in here. Get the doctor in here. And you're like... I've I've straight up told some of my patients, some of the older, very machista men will be like, mm. where's the doctor? Where's the doctor? Even family members, what does the doctor say? And it's like, okay, well, this, I'm telling you what the doctor mm-hmm. said. I Like, I'm doing my best. And sometimes I'm like, do you see a doctor around? Do mm-hmm. you see? How often have you seen a doctor today? You saw them for five minutes? Okay, do you want to know why? It's because I'm responsible. Like, even though it doesn't say my name on your freaking chart at the top, guess what? It should be my name because I'm the one that's with you for the next 12 hours and I'm responsible for everything that happens. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm not demanding that respect, but I'm kind of saying, listen, me and you, we're here stuck for 12 hours. We're going to have to get along and you're going to have to trust me mm-hmm. whether you like it or not because now I can go to the doctor and say, my patient is saying this. Mm-hmm. Or I say, you know what? You don't want to tell me you don't trust me? Well, when your doctor comes in, you need to tell them. Exactly. Everything you said to me, you need to say to them. Yes. And they don't. And they, and don't. they don't. Oh, I've had so many people like. Oh, I forgot to say this to the doctor. Yeah. Or they act. I tell, I them, tell, them, the, I tell the doctor. <laughs> I even like, listen, that this is how the patient is with me. Just letting you know before you get into that door. That patient switch. 180. Patients mm-hmm. lie. So nice. <laughs> Patients Angel lie. babies. And I'm like, I swear to you. That is not how they were acting with me for 12 hours. <laughs> Patients lie all the time. Yeah. And and like, a, I mean, there is a white coat syndrome. Yeah. And some and some doctors have really good bedside and are able to, like, you know, communicate with their patients and, you know, really manage them well. And then there's I, mean, I think that's just that's every freaking that's every freaking field of when you're dealing with people. Yeah. There's there's some people who know how to deal with people, mm-hmm. and there's others where you're like, "Why are you here? You're miserable." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go definitely, do, you go definitely, do something else. Yeah, you definitely have to be very personal when it comes to patient care because yeah. I mean, like you were saying, like some people just treat these patients like a, another chart number, like they're just a body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there are you know workers, uh, doctors, nurses, whoever that are very personable that actually like to make a connection with patients and make them feel like. They're not just another body in this bed. I'm not just trying to get you out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, I I actually care for you. Yeah. And that's always nice. Yeah. What makes me mad is when I see doctors or surgeons or PAs that are like that. They're really nice to the patients and they, they're really good with care. And they turn around and they're assholes to the nurses. <laughs> and I'm like. I've seen it before. Who's, who's putting out your orders for you? Mm-hmm. Who's putting these orders in for you Which when you should be doing it yourself? yourself? Yeah. Don't treat me like trash because then you're going to get calls from me because you're not doing your job. Yeah. I'm trying to do my job and the only way I can do my job is if you do your job. Yeah. 
And, and I get a, and it's, so it's so it's a relationship. It's a relationship yeah. that you lit- you can't just nursing is not uh, any. Actually, you know what I'm going to say every, in the healthcare field, it's not a job that you can go in thinking you can be selfish and why did my part? No, no, bro. Mm-mm. Everybody has to do their part, and you really have to learn how to work well with others mm-hmm. because it's even though I'm responsible for the for the twelve. Well, in my in our sense, 12 hours, I say 12 hours because that's how long my shift is. Mm-hmm. But in those 12 hours, there's other people who are managing your patient's care as well. But ultimately, it's the nurse having, it's like a little umbrella. The nurse is there and she's making sure that if respiratory needs to come in, that they come in. If, um, you know, physical therapy needs to come in, they need to come in. Wound nurse needs to come in, they need to come in. And you're managing all of this. Sometimes you don't get to interact with them, but you have to be able to know how to work well with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so do the physicians, the interns, the PAs. We, If your name is on that chart for that patient, we all have to be able to work together to yeah. manage the patient's care. And some people know how to do that and some people don't. Mm-hmm. They just go in and do their job and they're talking crap about the nurses and you're like, Bro, like whatever personal feelings you have for me, mm-hmm. shove them up your ass. This is yeah. about the patient, not right. about me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm telling you this because the patient needs this, not because I'm trying to be difficult. Mm-hmm. It's because it's ultimately the best thing for my patient. You didn't come in when you were supposed to. You're not doing your job the way that you're supposed to be doing your job. Then I'm going to be upset because it's not hurting me. It's hurting my patient. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one that's going to end up having to deal with those consequences. So that is where I have to think about that. I mean, we all want to be selfish and just think about me, me, me. But I think in order to provide the best care, we have to put ourselves in our patient's shoes. Like, if this was me, this was my mom. Hail to the nah. Like, (laughs) gloves are coming out. And that's just how you feel. Like, Mm -hmm. this is my mom. And you were doing this right now? Mm Mm-mm. No, 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 yeah. no. You're definitely getting curb stomped. Yeah. <laughs> you, you put your ego to the side, bro. It's about the patient. Yeah, and, and I feel like a lot of us are tending to forget that because mm-hmm. we're getting overwhelmed. Yeah. We're being jaded as far as... And and I don't know what the easy fix for is for what that is. Like, there's not an easy fix. It's not. It's 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 management. It's It's people. It's the whole hospital culture needs to change mm-hmm. for nurses to not feel jaded because there gets to the point that i mean i see nurses even with me sometimes <laughs> like you just you are jaded and you're like fuck these people fuck everybody like i'm gonna do my job and i'll make sure you don't die but and i'll treat you well but, still fuck but you. fuck you Listen, well i'll walk into that room and i'll have a smile and i know that i'm here to take care of you but if you're being a dick i walk out that door and i'm like fuck oh you get so upset and like just like everything i mean it's customer service literally that's what it is customer service and the patient's always right even if we know you're not right they're just like okay they're telling me they're not being well taken care of so fuck me and everything that i've just done for the past six hours yeah because the customer's always right and that's what patient care has become Mm-hmm. Customer, customer care customer. patients yeah. have become yeah. customers when i High first started and they were like i think they called patients customer and i was like a customer a burger king sure you were my customer yeah 
you're a patient. Yeah. I'm here to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think- I'm providing a service to you, but you need the <laughs> service to get better. You don't need the service to eat. Yeah. I'm like, it's it's totally different. And I don't like that patients are called customers now. You're still a patient. Yeah. Patients are patients. And that's I think that's what healthcare has is becoming like these are our customers and the customers are always right. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, our customers are sick. What they're saying is valid. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like we're managing them, we're advocating for them. But I don't know that customers is the, is the correct term because mm-hmm. and then that means that we're having to cater to everything that they want when sometimes that's that's not the best. No. That's not the best option. Um, we... I don't know. I I on I keep saying healthcare is going to take a huge revamp. Like I said, you know, nurses are walking out. Nurses are walking out of facilities. Physicians who have been physicians for a while are recognizing, and um, it's just this thing where nurses are advocating not just for nurses but for everybody. Like, hey, this is not okay. What's happening is not okay. Organizations saying that you're allowed to have this load. That's not okay. It's not okay anymore to work your people to death or work them to the point where nurses are committing suicide because they're overworked and overwhelmed and emotionally mismanaged. That's not okay. Mm. That is not okay. That's true. That's not okay. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, for real. But we got to go ahead and wrap this up for about almost an hour and 20 minutes in. Um, any closing statements? Um, healthcare is hard. You have to have a strong Head and heart to thick, heart thick skin, to big heart. thick skin, big heart to really go into it. If you do want to go into it, don't feel discouraged because it, there's a lot of bad, but there's a lot of good. And you just have to find the good and hold on to it. And then you just have to find where you fit in, where you feel comfortable, where you feel that gratification of being a nurse. But there's always going to be negatives to wherever you are. But as long as you find where you're meant to be, where you're comfortable, where you're happy, like, that's where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. My closing statement is don't be discouraged. I feel like we're disgruntled, but at the same time, it's just every job, mm-hmm. every job you have anywhere, you're going to have your goods and bads. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I just, my perspective is if you're going to go into nursing, yes, have a thick skin, but you also have, if you, if it's hard for you to be sympathetic and empathetic, oh, yeah. if those words are not in something your vocabulary, in your vocabulary or something that Medical you can say to describe you. yourself, nursing is not the field for you in the sense because you have to have that because you're dealing with people. Doesn't matter if you end up being a nurse esthetician. Mm-mm. If you are not sympathetic and empathetic towards your people that you're taking care of or that you're providing a care for or service for it's hard it's hard to do your job appropriately it's hard for you to be successful and feel fulfilled and at the end of the day don't we all want to work in somewhere where we feel fulfilled Mm -hmm. like that's 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 it is nursing worth it heck yeah is a paycheck worth it fuck yeah Mm -hmm. but also don't i've heard people like i just became a nurse because they get paid well I'm like, okay, but what about the other aspects? So don't go into nursing, into the medical field where you're actually taking care of people 
if that's all you want is a paycheck. If all you want is a paycheck from some kind of medical thing, go into coding. Go sell drugs. Go do something where you're not patient. Go sell drugs. <laughs> go, yeah. Let's start up a meth lab. Something yeah, like something. That. Don't be with patients because you don't, if you, you're just like, I'm just here for the money. Go be a pharmacist. Pharmacists make do bank some, money and you don't have to deal with people. You just have to deal with the yeah, nurses. Go saying, do hey, something else. As med? a nurse, you had to have compassion and care along with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The paycheck is a bonus, but like you really, there's a whole bunch more just to being a nurse. True. True, true. Yep. So, I mean, there you have it, guys. Uh, words from two nurses. Uh, also from a person that's not a nurse. We got. We know you're sick. Stop being fucking assholes. <laughs> we know you're sick. We're trying our best. Okay, so stop being assholes. But anyway, thanks for listening, guys, to another episode of the Are You Ready to Rumble podcast. Uh, thank you again to Noemi for being on here. We're going to have another episode, so definitely look out for that. But, uh, yeah. Thank you. Bye, guys.